You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Blazing deals, boundless options. It's hot grill summer at Whole Foods Market from June 14th through July 4th. Fire up the grill with quality cuts at the best prices. We're talking animal welfare certified meat. Check out the sales on bone-in ribeye, beef kebabs, and New York strip steak. Round out your barbecue with plant-based proteins, sliced cheese, soft buns, and all the condiments. Plus, sales on fresh strawberries, peaches, and more. Don't forget the pie, either. Get grilling at Whole Foods Market. Terms apply. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and on today's episode of Burying It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network, I am chatting with the award-winning actor, writer, producer, activist, and a trans influencer of Hollywood, as coined by Out Magazine. I am speaking with Scott Turner Schofield. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with Scott. Hi, Scott. Hey. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. It's nice to talk with you again. It's been a few years. Yes, I was just about to say it's been a few years since our last interview. And I'm thrilled that we get to do this one as much to in person as we can these days. Yes, yeah, this with, is normal. Right? Yes, <laughs> right. Because uh, um, you're in California, and I'm here in New York. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Today's today's a little bit today. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit just because I'm very tired. I um I didn't realize until I woke up this morning how much my workout yesterday has affected my body today. Oh. But I am definitely um I, I'm definitely having a, a a hard time fully waking up. But otherwise I'm I'm doing okay. How about you? I uh, you know, I'm good, I have to say. Um you know, I'm very much connecting to gratitude and I'm just super grateful to have a home and enough food and be able to be at home right right now so yeah there's just a lot there but good for you for doing self-care that's really good yeah I'm trying it helps keep my mind um calm yes which is important during this time. It is. But I just love, you know, today I I had a moment too where I was like, I'm going to prioritize taking care of myself. And, you know, it sounded funny, but at the same time, I was like, this is something I've learned through this, right? Yes. It's it's very important to to take care of yourself. It's so easy to just, especially, I mean, I've I've also decreased my, um, the amount of news I watch because Mm -hmm. it was causing me a lot of anxiety or, um, so I, I've been watching a lot more like TV programs. So um, w- one of the programs I did watch, which we might get into a little bit later in the interview, is Studio City, which is on Amazon Prime that you were a part of, which was fantastic. It's a nice way to pass an hour, right? Yes. I I loved it. I'm, I'm ready for the second season. I'm hoping we'll get to bring it to you. I think it will be so much more. <laughs> yes. I mean, I love your particular storyline on there. I, if everything I know about you, I felt like it was almost like a verbatim of of how you came into 
um, who you are and your mission to help people um, because your role on the show, you play um, a counselor at a transgender support group and the way that you were talking to the, to the, to the um, people in that group on the show, I felt was so um, represent, represented a lot of what you do in your own life. It's true. Yeah. And one of the things that they did, so I play, so that's sort of the real life version of my character who also plays on a soap opera as an actor. And, uh, and so the way that they're doing this studio city is, is, is about sort of the real life of soap opera actors, Mm -hmm. fictionalized obviously but they they're making it very much sort of like life reflecting art reflecting life like where where is the line it's very it's very meta but it it was um so it was nice to be able to you know be authentic with that Mm -hmm. role right and even if it's pretty close to what my sort of real life is there's still not enough representation of anybody's transgender life on television so it doesn't matter you know how fictional we get it's still good representation and i think it was nice to have these producers and writers sort of say look we want to tell the most truthful story possible so help us tell it right which i think a lot of actors you just you get a role and you play it as faithfully as you can, but you don't really have that kind of power in it. And um, so that was really nice to, to sort of have that as well. Yes. It, I mean, I definitely want to see that storyline grow because I don't want to give away what happens, but it's a very powerful ending of where the show leaves off at the end of season one for mm-hmm. your, for your character. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it how it ends that, of, of that storyline is very true to what what a lot of um, trans teens and and adults go through with mm-hmm. the the fear. So, um, for everybody listening who may not know your story, let's do a, a quick recap on um, how you so so you you were you were. Um, you were born female. So yeah, the way that we talk about it is we say assigned female at birth because when everybody is born, a doctor glances in between their legs and says, it's a boy or it's a girl or, uh-oh, I don't know, which happens a lot too, right? Yes. And that determines the rest of our lives, mm-hmm. right? And between that and learning boys have a penis, girls have a vagina in like kindergarten, that's about as formal as any of us ever get around who we are in this really important way, right? So it's like, not only are trans people given this sort of short shrift on that, but everybody is, right? We just get advertised to and told and expected to move along with what other people tell us a man is or a woman is, right? So yeah, I was assigned female at birth, was told that I was a girl, felt very uncomfortable with that in a very deep and persistent and consistent way. And when I was around 20 years old, I uh, realized it wasn't a phase, that I wasn't crazy, that in fact, there's a whole history and culture of people like me, and it's called transgender. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I was able to start my transition of sort of saying like, okay, I'm going to accept myself exactly as I am. And I'm going to ask other people to change my name and pronouns. And I'm going to start living my life the way that I have always known I was intended to live and really also start discovering exactly what that means. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is a forever project for everybody. Right. 
Right, because most people spend their lifetime trying to figure out who they are. Right. When do you think, looking back, when do you think you first realized that you you um you weren't in the right body gender wise i mean it was as early as i can possibly remember and even before that my mom says that when she would try to put me in dresses when i was like two years old i would flip out right Mm. i mean who even knows right they're starting to get this sense there's been some some science around it and they're starting to see that even like the brain structure so so my brain structure as an assigned female at birth transgender man right is the same as you a cisgender man Mm -hmm. right and that a transgender woman's brain is structurally the same as a cisgender woman's brain so there we're starting to do science we're starting to learn that like there is a biological basis for this um but at this point we're all sort of still in the dark as to why this happens except that if you think about it diversity is like the only fact of nature like how many millions of species of bird is there? How many, right? Like right. Even just think about humans, like, like diversity is the only constant in this. And mm-hmm. I just happen to reflect one facet of that. Yes. Yes. Now when, how long from, so when you were 20 is when you started your, um, your uh, gender transition. transition. Mm-hmm. So how, how, how long did it take you to fully transition well, I mean, what does that mean, right? Well, so, right. right. So everybody just goes straight to the genitals, right? Which is kindergarten thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. And, and you haven't been served, right? Like we haven't gotten any more education about that, right? So, so right. we got to like, 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 let's leave the kindergarten thinking back in kindergarten and go back, go to like what we know about human beings. Everybody has been through let's just call it a sex change, right? When Mm -hmm. you were in adolescence, your hormones changed, your body changed, your genitals changed, right? And not only that, your whole gender, you you went from being a boy to being a man or a girl to being a woman, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a massive holistic transition that literally every human being goes through, right? And I kind of did it twice, right? Right. Um, So I did do medical transition, which is just one part. But as I told you, right, I discovered for myself, I had a personal transition. I asked the people around me to change my name and pronouns. That's a social transition. Um, Mm -hmm. I stood in front of a judge and got my name legally changed and changed other legal aspects of my identity. So that's my legal transition. And I participated in medical transition as well. I had hormones and surgery, right? And I, you know, that changed my body so that my insides matched my outsides, which was a really life-saving medical intervention because until that point, I just wanted to kill myself all the time. I was so Mm. profoundly uncomfortable in my body constantly since childhood, right? And, you know, it's not plastic surgery, it's life-saving. It allowed me to assume my body and, you know, become the actor that I knew I was supposed to be. Like, as actors, our our bodies are our instruments, right? Yes. But then when you think about your gender, then it's like, okay, what's a man, right? And, and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about my, my work, um, Becoming a Man in 127 Easy Steps. And the reason why yes. I pick such a big number and such a ridiculous number, right, is because, like, that's what becoming is for everybody, right? Mm. Right. Like, are you finished? 
you know, like you're no. <laughs> right, right? No, definitely not. Right. I'm still learning. When did you start? When when will you end? How long is that going to be? We we have we live lifetimes within our own lifetimes. And as a trans person, that's been very clear to me. Like my difference has shown me that very clearly and that's kind of the story that I'm telling to other people in the hopes that you'll see how that happens to you and how all of these stories of your life are so important as well. Yes, yes. I guess it's a similar journey with coming out in that you, you you know, I my like childhood, I grew up thinking one thing and then I realized, well, when I was in college, oh no, I, I, I think I'm gay. And then looking back, it's like, oh yeah, I, I did feel different right. that whole time. And I couldn't, I didn't have a name for it until I was older. And then it's the process of coming out again. And, you know, everybody, it's always, you're always coming out in right. a way. You are. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So did you always know that you wanted to be an actor or was there another profession that you thought maybe you would go into first? You know, I, the only other thing I wanted to do was be a rock star. So I think it was... <laughs> It was like I had this performance energy. I've always been a performer. I was like standing in front of the television, acting out all of the scenes for my parents when I was a kid. Poor them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I was born this way too, for sure. Now, one of your, um, one of like the, the, your first big acting, acting um, gigs was you were cast in a recurring role on the Bold and the Beautiful as the first openly transgender actor. That's right, in daytime television. In yeah. daytime television. Mm-hmm. So what is what is that like to sort of have that that title, that moment and and how do you feel since since you started on the show? How do you feel transgender stories and representation has grown sure well so that happened in 2015 and 2015 it turns out was we're calling it the transgender tipping point in hollywood um Mm -hmm. laverne cox was a little bit ahead of the game she was already showing up in um uh, orange is the new black and really changing what it meant to be a transgender actor and a transgender character right on on television but also all of these other stories really took hold, right? And both on screen and in life, that was the same year Caitlyn Jenner made her transition public, right? Yes. Right. So there was just all of this stuff and it didn't go away because there had been some little pops, right? Like 2006, there was a little pop. 2000, what, one or two, I forget, when Boys Don't Cry came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, that was 1999. Um, 1999, right? There were these little moments of interest, but then in 2015, it just came and it was here to stay and i got to be a small part of that and not really a small part of it i mean most people i know don't watch soap operas but 33 million people every day watch the bold and the beautiful all across Mm -hmm. the globe and it's a very you know if you think about audiences it's a pretty conservative audience right so it was very powerful to be able to tell the story and to be able to be a representative for the community right to be able to say like this is actually my life too and i'm a real person and we have real issues and we're not just playing dress up and it isn't just a phase right to be a, a an agent for that kind of education was 
amazing. I felt like I was doing my purpose. Um, and since then, you know, two things happened. Our stories didn't didn't go away. It wasn't just a bubble. But also in 2016, really with the election, right? Mm -hmm. People became so outraged with the culture of cruelty that became so apparent um, during that election cycle and with the person who's in office now, whose name I will not speak, Um, right? And what I saw was, you know, for 15 years before that, I'd been doing education, I'd been doing theater and, you know, I'd, I'd been an openly trans person in my life and I saw so many people who did care about it, but I could take all of those 15 years worth of people, add them together, and it's still exponentially more people who care, right? Who actually want to be, just just like in this conversation, you want to get the words right. You want to show that you respect me. You want to know the story. You, you care actually yes. about it. And you're putting your resources behind it to uplift this voice and, and help more people know about it. Like that never happened before. And so for as bad as it has been, and it has been very bad, right? For yes. the last five years. Yes. At the same time, it's been it's the best time it's ever been in history. And mm-hmm. that's an amazing place to be. I agree. I agree. It definitely has been more challenging in these past few years, especially with things that are are that that person is trying to roll back and and put laws in place to prevent so many so many injustices across mm-hmm. the board for a wide range of people mm-hmm. um so so hopefully in november we will have our freedom again and somebody new will be coming into office with a more unified and and universal way of caring for people right but even uh, if not, the fact that people care, the actions that people are doing now of making the world that they want, mm-hmm. that's more powerful than any one person or even any group of people in a government. And it's really inspiring and amazing, actually. That's true. That's a good way to put it. So, so what? Um, going back to your acting for a moment, and then we're going to go into your Becoming a Man in 127 Easy Steps. What challenges have you faced as an openly transgender actor and other uh, in addition to the bold and the beautiful what are some other accomplishments you feel like you have made so far well i mean like i said for for 15 years i couldn't get a role mm-hmm. you know when mm-hmm. i started i started my transition and my professional acting career at the same time in 2000 uh. and and there just was like no concept. There was no Laverne Cox, right? There were there were a few people. Alexandra Billings was out there, right? Um, you know, there were some people who were doing the work, but A, it was all trans women, and B, mm-hmm. it was very little pieces here and there, right? Like there just was no consciousness and no interest. Um, and so I created one-person shows because I had just this need to get out there and perform and tell stories because, like I said, I was born an actor, right? So I had right. to get out there. And I figured if, if the only way I can do it is to tell my own story, then so be it. Um, and so I wrote these, I had three one-person shows that I toured all over the U.S. and Europe for that time. And I had really good success, actually, for any solo performer. I, I was invited to perform at really major venues. I 
got great press. I got really good reviews. Uh, there was interest, actually. There was audience interest in transgender stories, uh, as evidenced by all of the people who came out to see my work. Um, mm. And at the same time, I was totally blazing my own trail because I had very few people in, you know, that that I could look to as support and as role models. The people I did have, like Kate Bornstein, um, mm-hmm. you know, were amazing, and I owe everything to the people who came before me. Um, and it was still very lonely, and you know, you really have to figure some things out for yourself. That uh, a lot of people just get support around without even thinking about it. And that's the definition of privilege, right? Like when you don't even realize how much support you have in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, I didn't have that privilege and I had to work for it. And at the same time, I wouldn't change it because I learned a lot. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, if, if, um, I mean, if you didn't have those experiences, you might not be who you are today. Right. As well. So you you did bring up an an interesting point. A lot of the the people that you mentioned um, that have been, out other out trans act- actors have been mainly um male to female trans women yes as opposed to trans men do you have any do you have any thoughts on 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 why there may be more trans women um you know more visibility for trans women you know because because even yeah. in in watching i don't really i don't i don't see or hear a lot about trans men, uh, you know, other than you. Right. I mean, there are a group of us. We there. So literally in February, February 4th, I think, um, T Magazine, which is the style magazine of the New York Times, ran a feature on myself and four other trans guys out there who are making waves. And it was the very first time the New York Times had ever printed the word trans masculinity. Mm. Right. Right. So it was the first time they ever talked about this. Um, And it's not to say we haven't been here, but that is just emblematic of how how little people pay attention to trans men. So I think Mm. the very first thing to understand is trans men and trans women are very, very, very different in the same way that you know, while gay men and lesbians are both people who are attracted to the same sex people, right? Gay mm-hmm. men and lesbians are very, very different. It's a totally different experience of life, right? Yes. And a totally different experience of how the world treats you. So it's the same for transgender men and transgender women, right? We have totally different experiences of how we move through the world and how the world reacts to us. And I think mm-hmm. one of the kind of biggest pieces about this is that transgender women are oftentimes much more visible. Um, They go through puberty that includes testosterone, which changes their faces and their bodies in a way that, you know, when they then transition and start to live their true lives, their true genders, we can still oftentimes see it. And it's very different for transgender men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we tend to blend in very much faster and much more totally without mm-hmm. having to undergo so much, you know, intense intervention that a lot of trans women have to go through. Um, and so I think that's one piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've been invisible throughout history because in some ways there's just a it's somehow just, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not making any 
pronouncements about this, but I think I think anyone would agree it's it it is easier for trans men to blend uh, into kind of the background, right? And that comes mm-hmm. with its own issues. For as much as visibility sets transgender women up to be harassed on the street, to experience face-to-face discrimination over and over again, which is horrible, right? And is the reason why so many transgender women are murdered and brutally mm-hmm. assaulted constantly, right? At the same time, transgender men experience invisibility in a really deep way, right? Mm-hmm. Transgender men, 50% of us attempt suicide, most of us more than once, right? That's yes. the impact. It's, it's, a, it's a self-violence that happens to transgender men because mm-hmm. we don't see anybody like us. I literally went 20 years of my life without knowing there was another person like me. I just thought I was crazy and not worth mm-hmm. being on the earth, right? Wow. And then I met other people and I saw that this is a real thing, that there are people throughout history just like me, right? And that was the moment where I got my life, right? Mm -hmm. So who knows why, right, exactly, but there are sort of real mechanisms for, for, for what happens and you were continuing to see that played out. And that's why, you know, I wanted to tell this really epic story about being a transgender man and what that even means for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because there just aren't enough stories at all. So here's 127 for you, right? Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's talk about the the show, which is also now, uh, it's also turned into a movie, which just is at the Tribeca Film Festival now. Yes. Um, which, um, first, let me just start with the Tribeca Film Festival, because that's like, I mean, people dream of having their film as part of this festival. And yours is, but yours is also part of the festival at this time of COVID-19 and social distancing. So how how does it work that um, that people are able to to see the film and and you know sort of have this a similar experience to actually getting to go to the film festival as in previous years? Well, that's kind of the bummer of it. That's not happening. So we mm-hmm. got the word that we got into Tribeca. It's my first the first thing I've ever submitted to a film festival ever. And my dream came true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my team's dream came true. And uh, and like five days later, they were like, we have to cancel. <laughs> so it was right. a real roller coaster of emotion. What they've done is they've created an industry portal. So uh-huh. it's, you know, it's great in that I think actually more industry people will see it, more people who are decision makers who could buy the film and give it a platform so that mm. everyone can see it, right? Versus, you know, you know, a couple hundred people could fit in a theater and, you know, there are scheduling concerns when you're in real, you know, when you're really at a festival, you might go see something else, right? So right. I actually think that a lot more decision makers will have the opportunity to see it and hopefully that'll mean good things. Um it just, you know, I'm not going to have the red carpet. We're not, you know, we're not right. going to be able, I'm not going to be able to be there with all of my team and be, you know, celebrating and have that wonderful moment, you know, seeing yourself on a big screen. But, you know, right. there's a lot going on in the world right now. And I, yeah. okay, right? I'm, yes. I'm not, uh, I'm not unduly bummed. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I, I, although I will say, I do like how you phrased it on your social media in that, it is a strange time to sort of celebrate good news, it but is. at the same time, you still do need to celebrate it because otherwise, all you look at is like bad, bad news, death, you right. know, heartache. So you do need that moment of escape, 
Um, now, I, what I want to know about the show is, so this started as a, as a stage show. You started it out as a one-man show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and each night is a different performance because you ask the audience to shout out, um, you know, whatever number step they want to hear mm-hmm. that night. Um, so let's start with, um, we'll finish up the movie talk and then we'll go back to sort of the stage show. But how did you know, or when did you know that your one man show would, would be um, also good in the film format? Well, so at Outfest also in 2015, another big year, right? Um, Mm -hmm. A wonderful, amazing, again, another person who blazed the trail for me to be able to have success, um, transgender woman named Andrea James, who uh, she worked with Felicity Huffman in the Oscar-winning film Transamerica. She was her coach, and she's also appears. Oh, wow. She's done so many groundbreaking things. Her her resume is just so impressive. And she was on the board of Outfest out here in Los Angeles. And she, um, she directed a one-man show uh, concert film called Alec Mappa Baby Daddy. Um, oh which, yes uh-huh yeah, i saw right? that oh, yep fantastic right so she directed that as well so she already had experience turning one person shows into filmed experiences mm-hmm. and she approached me and just said look I, I i'm interested in your work i think there's something really not only is it cutting edge in that it's a trans masculine story but also the the 127 sort of choose your own adventure style piece of it like i'm really interested in figuring out how we could make that you know, translate. And so we spent a lot of time. It took a lot of time to get funding. Um, but luckily I had 13 years of audience development behind it and everybody gave, it was unbelievable. It was, uh, it was just, I'm so grateful to all of our donors who, you know, scraped up donations to support the, you know, the show that they had seen that they'd had such a good experience with. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we figured out, okay, so we, we raised about a, oh, almost exactly $127,000, actually. Wow. <laughs> um, and uh, and we're like, okay, so we have to make some choices because there are 127 stories. And obviously on that much money, we can't make all of them. And anyway, even if we did make 127 stories, it'd be like eight hours of film, right? So, right. so <laughs> we went through, we're like, okay, uh, what are the ones where telling it through the medium of video or film, right? Mm-hmm. It, it makes you have a, the best experience you can is like the most authentic voice of this story. And mm-hmm. so we picked those ones and we were able to shoot, we picked about 50 um, and we were able to shoot 31 of them. And of those 31, 16 made the feature film. They were like the absolute best. Um, And each one really has its own look and feel. So we did a concert film. I went back to Atlanta and we had this incredible audience of people who've been supporting me since I made my transition. I mean, just hundreds of people showed up for that, which was incredible. Uh, We also did um, some on-location filming and some studio filming. So every single piece really looks and feels very different. And they Mm -hmm. all stand alone. They're all little short films. And so then Mm -hmm. we put them all together in kind of an anthology, which is the feature. But now we have all this other video. So there's all this companion content, which is a word I learned during our meetings yesterday. Um, (laughs) So we have, you know, a web series. We have... um, Again, thinking about the 
most authentic voice, there are some that we want you to hear, right? It's why people Mm -hmm. listen to podcasts. So there's basically a limited series podcast that goes along with it for you to listen to those stories that where it really matters that you hear it, right? That you experience it that way. And there's an entire book of steps that you really have to read to get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be this kind of multi-platform sort of immersive experience that you can choose as much of or as little as you want to experience of it. Prior to the interview, I I got to see um, the film and it's incredible. And I love I think the stories you chose to show uh, cinematography wise were very good choices. And um, I also like how it shows from. It's not you can tell the each each piece is from like a different performance. It's nice to see that they're not all from the same night. Right. So um, and which I think also shows the universe universality. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Yep. It shows the universality of the piece in that all of these people, like you said, you, you did the show for for 13, 13 years. You had all of these audiences there. So it shows how everybody does r- relate to it. And and there's something in that, in each story for everybody to relate to. Yeah. I think. Um, you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> now, how, did you did you always know it, in creating the show it would be 127 steps or did, it, did you want it to be more? Did you initially have it as less and someone was like, no, we have to make it more? Well, okay. So um, when I started, so this is my third one man show. And at the same, at the time it was like, I just, I never expected that 2015 would happen. Right. Like I never knew whether I was ever going to be able to act as more than just telling my own story. Mm. Right. Like that was part of being a transgender actor was just like, maybe nobody will ever let me be in their movies or their TV shows, but Mm. this is how I'm just going to express myself. I have to. And I was like, look, if this is the only story that I'm going to tell, I'm going to make it the most epic story that I can. (laughs) And uh, my friend S. Bear Bergman, who is an amazing transgender writer, um, actually came up with the title. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, you should do a show called Becoming a Man, 127 Easy Steps. And so I full out stole it. I'm very, I'm very honest <laughs> about it. And Bear has come to terms. Um, we're still friends. Um, <laughs> and in some ways, I wish that he'd said 39 steps. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Damn it, I want to do that was I love that that I saw that off Broadway the uh, the thirty nine steps that was such a good show. <laughs> right. Um, and so so. When I started, I didn't have 127. We we kind of winged it. So if someone would mm. would call out the number 49, and we didn't actually have 49, we'd pick you know if we had 46 or 51 or whatever, we'd pick the closest story that we had to it, uh-huh. and that meant that you know starting. You know, I I started with a probably 26 stories in when I first premiered it, and. Mm-hmm. You know, now I actually reached 127 stories, but then when we started doing this development work on the on this film and deciding what it was going to be, I decided I really wanted to take out a bunch of them. You know, there are things that you learn over time, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. 
I just realized I was like, you know, this story never lands the way I want it to. I, it it mm. just right or like, you know, this story is actually like full of misinformation that I didn't know was misinformation when I was telling it back in 2009. So I'm wow. not going to tell that story anymore, right? So now I actually am developing more stories to fill in the gaps so that we'll have all 127. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. Did you ever have a night where where someone called out a number and you just you you just couldn't think of it? You were like, "What what story am I telling right now? What is it supposed to be?" Well, I always had a book, so I had uh -huh. a little book, and on it I had 127 pages, and I on each one it told me kind of what the title was. Remember to do this, you know, like kind of, <laughs> you know, go get this prop, you know, do this thing, and and sometimes honestly, I would people would call it stories and I decided I wouldn't want to tell them either because the story before was the same tone, right? Mm. Um, like if I told a really sad story, I didn't want to tell like another really sad story. So I would just, you know, sort of decide um, on my own, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> my tech person was really amazing and, and he and I kind of had like a psychic mind meld together so <laughs> he would know if i if i was supposed to do story 37 but i didn't pick up the prop for 37 i would show him what the prop was and he would go oh so he's telling story 103 okay got it <laughs> go to whatever the lighting setup for that was and what what are your hopes now for the next um steps now that it's in the tribeca film festival what's your hopes for the film or even for the show or sort of i mean it's almost like it's a program in a way because you you i know you you've mentioned you want to make a book out of it um right this whole multi-platform thing i mean really it's just i just want to put the story out there um mm -hmm. we're looking now for a platform that will take it you know the the heart behind this is we've got to spread the message you know so that there's no kid like i was out there who who you know doesn't have any connection to who he is right that yes you know and i'm not saying i have the experience by any stretch but just i know that you know some part of any of these stories is going to resonate with someone hopefully in a way that makes them not feel alone mm -hmm. right so the idea that we could get this out there that somebody could call it up on their phone you know that somebody that it's out there you know that someone could read it or listen into it um you know, so we're just we're just looking for the partner who believes in that message and who will put it out there, so that you know, not only for the trans people who who need to hear it, but also for our friends and family. Mm -hmm. You know, we're a small population. This is not you know, I, I'm not thinking it's it's a huge thing. But when you take when you take us and then you take everyone who loves us. Mm -hmm. Right. You take the parents who want more insight. You take the partners, the friends, the coworkers, the people who are just curious. Right. That's almost everybody. Yes. Right? Yes. And the more that we know a trans person, we know this every time. Like when a trans person tells their story, it changes everybody around them. It's mm -hmm. kind of part of our superheroism. Right. Like yes. we're. Right? Like, <laughs> So if if my story can be one one or 127 stories that help people, you know, understand the human piece of this, you know, as far and wide as we can spread that, the better. Agreed, agreed. And I think your story, from what I've watched and and seen, um, I think your story definitely will help a lot of people. Thank you. I hope so. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna move on to um, 
a game that I have created. Um, so we'll, we'll take a quick break, and we, we, when we come back, we will play this game that I titled 120 Steps. 127 steps <laughs> inspired by your your multimedia um your multimedia platform show so we'll be right back the new 2023 ford escape is the perfect getaway car featuring an available 13.1 inch center stack screen 360 degree camera and bang and olufsen sound system and spatial flexibility for extra legroom. The new 2023 Ford Escape. Learn more at Ford.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Blazing deals, boundless options. It's Hot Grill Summer at Whole Foods Market from June 14th through July 4th. Fire up the grill with quality cuts at the best prices. We're talking animal welfare certified meat. Check out the sales on bone-in ribeye, beef kebabs, and New York strip steak. Round out your barbecue with plant-based proteins, sliced cheese, soft buns, and all the condiments. Plus, sales on fresh strawberries, peaches, and more. Don't forget the pie, either. Get grilling at Whole Foods Market. Terms apply. And now we're back. Um, so I know that was a quick break, right? <laughs> um, so as I mentioned, we're going to play a game called 127 Steps. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions about different steps in your life. And you're going to tell me the answers. Okay. Okay. So what was the first step you took for yourself towards your transition that made you smile? I love this question because oh, oftentimes people think that transition is so hard, right? Mm -hmm. But there is joy. There's amazing joy in it. Um, so actually, it happened before I even knew I was trans. But now that I understand myself as always having been trans, mm -hmm. it, it, it makes sense. So I was in the seventh grade, and I was I was in my school. We had to walk across a field to get in, in between classes. There was this like football field that you had to go across, and so I'm walking across the field, and I'm all by myself. And I just had this moment of clarity where suddenly I was just like, I think I like girls. Like mm. I recognized, like I had a big crush on my math teacher and I was like trying to understand it. Mrs. Christie, right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was like, what is happening? And I, and I just had this moment of like, I think I like girls. And this like, but I think I like girls because I'm a guy. Mm. And wasn't it? I just, I think it's wonderful that my reaction to that was to smile. Yes. It wasn't fear. It wasn't, oh my God, I'm a total freak. Like it was this moment of recognition when I was like, oh, that's what it is. And I, I just had this most incredible smile in that moment. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful way. I mean, you're so lucky that that was how you reacted to that moment where right. I, I, know. <laughs> I think so many other people would be like, what's happening? Why, why do I feel this way? I think it was one of those moments when you get the message that you're on the right path, you know? Yes, yes. Um, my next question is, and because I'm, I'm literally recording this podcast in my closet and the, the difference too. between <laughs> the difference between lighting that there's hardly any light in the closet and outside, it's like, I'm like trying to figure out how the best way to read all my questions. And now I'm yeah. just going to lean forward. Uh, so what has been the hardest step for you to get past, um, professionally and personally? Mm, that's a good, that's another good question. So personally the hardest step 
was to get over family rejection. Um, mm. I when I it, it actually took a long time. Uh, at first, everybody was was like at least non-reactive to it. Um, mm. But then, actually, when I got married, uh, a whole wing of my family just totally bailed, and they were like, "Nope, you're two girls getting married, and we're not here for that." And I was just like, first of all, these people who had never even misgendered me, like they always used my name. They always called me he, like I thought they accepted me, but it turns out they were just doing it so that their kids wouldn't feel weird about it. And it's just bizarre. Um, and, but that was a probably the most profound heartbreak of my whole life. Um, yes. Just that re intense rejection in that mm -hmm. most happy moment of my life, right? It, it really yeah. went into my wedding and that was really hard to get over um and I think, can i ask you one quick question yeah is is your wife um the woman who was playing the guitar in yes. becoming a man in one oh oh <laughs> my god yeah oh my god so lucky yeah well, my wife, what a talent oh my I, goodness yeah uh, her name is tara naomi and uh she was actually the first youtube star back in like 2000. Oh, wow. She's got her own whole story. And she's writing a musical. Maybe it'll be on Broadway someday, I'm hoping. Oh, wow. That would be great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't, you know, and then you get over it because you like, I have a wonderful wife and I have my own family now. And like, okay, here we are, right? Um, and professionally, uh, the hardest step, you know, in some ways, I think I, I'm not over it yet. You know, I think we're still fighting the bias that people have around transgender issues. And mm -hmm. so until I find myself where I'm like really working and really feeling like I can go into a audition like anybody else, right? Like that's still the hardest step mm -hmm. is getting over other people's bias. Yes, yes. And what has been the easiest step for you to just jump over that you're just like, oh, past that? You know, gosh, that's such an interesting question. Um, you know, in some ways, I don't. I, maybe I don't even know it, <laughs> right? Um, I, yeah. I, I think. I guess one that was really surprisingly easy was that again, like I blended very quickly and very easily, even before I made any medical changes to myself. Um, I was able to move through the world and people assumed that I was a, a guy like other guys. Um, and so I was very, very lucky in that respect. That's a huge privilege to have where, where you can, you know, have that. So I was, I'm grateful for that. That's incredible. And the last question is a three part question. So when you look at the staircase of your life first, <laughs> <laughs> what does the bottom step look like now as compared to when you were first at it? Hmm. Wow. You know, forever, I was standing at that very first step. I mean, for the first 20 years of my life, right? Standing at that first step, not even knowing it was there. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that I didn't even have a word to describe myself to myself. Mm -hmm. That 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 a huge part of my identity, right? I mean, gender is only one part of your identity, but it's a pretty huge part, right? Yes. That that was completely invisible to me. And that, in fact, it wasn't a wall. It was a step, right? Right. Um, I think that's looking back on it. That was the biggest part. And then once I, once I got clear and understood 
you know, just, just that like I could exist, right? Mm-hmm. Like then taking the next steps after that was just natural. Yes. Yes. What would you say? Um, this is just like a, a little added bonus question here. What would you say? Because y- you mentioned that that um, throughout your life there were there were two moments where you where you thought of taking your own life. What 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 do you think was your saving factor that made you not do it? Well, I actually attempted, um, and so you know, if you want to call it luck or grace or having a higher purpose that I'm not in charge of. Um, Mm. You know, in some ways, it's a great mystery that I survived. Mm. But I'm grateful for it, really grateful for it every day. Yes. Well, I'm grateful, too, because otherwise we may not be talking today. So, Mm. no, you just you don't know what great things, you know, yes, life is hard. Mm. Bad things happen. And it's nothing's easy for anybody. Right. But you must be present to win. Right. Right. No. You'll never you'll never know if you can win if you don't if you're not here. Right. Yes. Which is why I remember when I was a kid, my mom would always tell me when um, if I ever said like, oh, I want to kill myself or something. She would be like, well, you know, death is a permanent thing. So you can never um, once once you're dead, that's it. You can never have a second chance. Exactly. Yeah, they say suicide is a permanent solution permanent to solution, a, yes. a temporary, temporary problem. Yeah. And it's not a solution at all. It's It causes so many problems. Everyone who knows a person who has committed suicide is 50% likely to attempt suicide after that. Wow. Right? So it's just, you know, and I, I look, I've been there, so I get it. And I, you know, I understand the pain that people feel. I understand it very, very, very deeply. And figuring out how to not feel that pain anymore and how to live my life outside of that has been the project of my life. It has nothing to do with gender. Mm-hmm. It, it's been the project of my life and it's been the most satisfying work that has led me to the greatest rewards. Mm-hmm. So I recommend anybody hearing my voice. If that's you, you can do it. I'm I'm an idiot. So you can do it, you know. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. And and I think every I think people hearing that will it will definitely help people yeah yeah um all right so going back to the game now um what do your what do today's steps look like sort of where you are now yeah so now it's really what what comes next right mm-hmm. you know, have I reached like a landing right am I am I at a next level um, I, I definitely feel like I'm entering an, a next level in terms of career um, and I, I don't know what steps are beyond me right it's I think I think Martin Luther King said this I can't quite remember but there was there's this phrase about how you know you only have to see the steps in front of you you don't have to see the whole staircase mm-hmm Right. And so I am still taking things step by step, but I definitely acknowledge that where I am today is leaps and bounds from, from, you know, where I was even five years ago. Um, and so for right now, I think it's very career focused. I, mm-hmm. I really want this, this project to get out into the world. And then I want to see what projects I'll work on next. Like, what will I do when I don't have to focus on just being a transgender guy? Right. Where, when I can, you know, what roles will I play? What, what work will I do? Um, what will my family look like? What, who will I be as a husband? You know, how will I take care of my parents? Right? Like, like, these are all things that I'm starting to think about now. 
and what do you think um uh what do you think the top of the staircase will look like as you look towards the future like what would be your dream oh wow um my dream is to exist in a state of such security that I can be the most creative and creatively helpful person mm -hmm. that I possibly can be. Mm. I, I always want whatever my work is, if it just brings you joy, if it just makes you think, if it saves your life, like if whatever, whatever it may be, right? Whatever big or small thing that my creative contributions to the world could do, I just want to do that fully all the way with no obstacles, right? Mm. Uh, and I think that's probably the best way to say it. That sounds beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, that's the whole game. So thank I you for that playing. Game. Thank you. Oh, and good. play it amongst yourselves, right? Think yes, about your exactly. Thoughts, right? I love that. It's very thoughtful, exactly. Adam. You're so I love your thoughtfulness. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. Um, we're just gonna take because we only have a few minutes left. We're gonna take a, a quick, quick break, and then when we come back, we'll end with a few rapid fire questions and my famous question. So don't go anywhere. All right. And now we're back. So as I mentioned, we're gonna end with some rapid fire questions okay so the first one is um peanut butter crunchy or smooth crunchy okay how do you take your coffee creamy <laughs> <laughs> uh what's your go-to medicine for a headache excedrin migraine mm. peppermint or spearmint spearmint radio or streaming oh, this one's really hard <laughs> Because I feel like you have to do streaming because radio sucks because of streaming. But if I right. if if we could go to like radio back in the day, then I'd say radio. Yes. What's your go-to emoji when texting? Heart eyes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and lastly, boxers or briefs? Boxer briefs. Yes. <laughs> and now I always end my interviews playing off of the title of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. So if you could bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you have not told previously, what would you reveal today? I already did when I told you what I want most. That was very scary, but I, I yes-anded you. And, um, you did. <laughs> you know, I think it was, a very, it was a very consensual, you know, uh, vulnerability there so thank you for yes. asking you're welcome you're welcome um and where can everybody find you on social media i'm on all the social medias if you just look up scott turner schofield uh you'll find me um i like instagram the best um don't really do twitter that much uh and i'm kind of still a facebook guy so if you're into that yes yes well Everybody listening, be sure to follow Scott on all social media. And we can't wait to see your film, Becoming a Man in 127 Easy Steps, when that gets a wider distribution. Um, and I'll certainly keep everybody posted as I, I hear more about it. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Adam. Really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And one last reminder for everybody listening, uh, this podcast is on the Broadway Podcast Network where we have over 50 other theater and arts-related podcasts. So do come visit us and take a listen. And we will, we will, be, we will see you all soon. Stay safe. Mm -hmm.
He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story For he happens to be in the know Just ask anybody who's had him Adam lives for the business of show CallMeAdam.com Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere podcasts are streamed, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at CallMeAdamNYC. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. And finally, if you really want to get involved, become a member of my Patreon page at patreon.com backslash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get exclusive perks, including behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and everybody's favorite swag.